listening to Awake in Relationship, a podcast about intimacy, community, and culture in a time of great change, with Silas Rose. Listener, my name is Silas Rose, and you are tuned into Awaken Relationship. So there are a few things more challenging in life than uh, going through a major transition. It could be a job loss or illness, perhaps uh, losing a partner, or even a pandemic. Rarely do any of us welcome transition as an opportunity to reinvent ourselves and let go of old patterns. In this episode, I speak with Bill Israel, a pastor and therapist in Victoria, B.C., about navigating change and releasing trauma through intensive journaling. I speak with Bill about his long experience over 40 years using this method, not only to help himself, but to really help people in very difficult places, including folks struggling with addictions or perhaps at end of life, to access their innate creativity and wisdom. And so if you're uh, feeling like you're in transition yourself, and I know a lot of us are, myself included, and wanting another tool in your toolbox for sense-making during this confusing time. Please stay tuned. Well, good morning, Bill, and uh, welcome to Awaken Relationship. Uh, thanks, Silas. I'm glad to be here. You've been doing uh, intensive journaling for, I think it was over, mentioned it was over 40 years. What, what first kind of got you into this work? It was uh, an interruption I began to experience in uh, what uh, was otherwise a fairly auspicious beginning to my uh, uh, clerical career as an ordained pastor. Mm. Um, I was uh, off for what I thought was a pretty good start. I was an associate uh, minister in a fairly large church. Um, and then about the age of 30, I'd been, uh, I'd been out of school for about four or five years. Um, some cracks began to show in my uh, pastoral facade, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, my, mar- my marriage was in trouble. Uh, and uh, I was embroiled in a, a number of uh, personal and, and social uh, conflicts. Uh, I was a anti-Vietnam War uh, protester and heavily involved in civil rights. Um, And it was causing turmoil uh, with the church, of course, um, and and, and to a certain extent in my marriage. Um, But as time went by, I could see maybe this clerical calling wasn't uh, really what I had intended as I even as I left seminary. Uh, so um, in, in some of that conflict, then I uh, began asking questions about, you know, is being a minister really the thing to do here? And then some reality really began to invade. Uh, I actually got divorced um, and um, separated from my son, my, my only child. Um, mm. And uh, so... For a variety of reasons, I began to step away from my vocation. Uh, I, I kept my ordination, but I began to step away from the church per se. 
Hmm. But that presented some other problems, you know. What uh, what kind of a job are you going to get with a master's degree in systematic theology? You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, I, I I found myself beginning to struggle a bit uh, uh, psychologically, spiritually, uh, even physically. I, 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 at that time, I wouldn't have described that as a trauma. Uh, in fact, it was a series of them. Uh, maybe, maybe kind of like a, a dark night in the soul. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in the last 10 or 15 years, I've begun to describe it as a, my life turning into a slow motion train wreck. Um, and all paths seem to lead nowhere. Uh, uh it was a serious identity crisis, uh, really, that was stretched over five, six years. And it was a fellow cleric, uh, a good friend of mine, who uh, actually referred me to my first intensive journal workshop way back in 1972. So let's talk a little bit about the origins of, of the work. Um, where, did it, where did it come from? Um, yeah, uh, Ira Progoff uh, was the guy that uh, got this thing started. Um, and just briefly, his background uh, as a psychotherapist, uh, he, he was the son of uh, Russian Jewish immigrants. He was born in New York in uh, 1937 and did his PhD on Carl Jung. Mm-hmm. Um, he was quite interested in psychology and Carl Jung saw the, the thesis and invited him to come to Vienna to study with him. So he, he had this job at Drew University. He was a psychotherapist, but he was interested in, in the research process about what's the source of creativity in a human being? How do people normally get through crises in their life? And so he, with Dr. Jung, began to step away from some of the Freudian uh, diagnostic analytic processes and, and began hypothesizing the, uh, the psyche uh, as an evocative, an evocative depth psychologist, psychology. Uh, it was a way of looking at how the psyche actually contributes to the development of personhood. Um, and, and he found, along with Dr. Jung, that the Freudian reductionist model wasn't very useful to simply be diagnosing people and labeling them, that it really in a way, disconnected disconnected persons from their own internal resources, uh, creative, uh, historic psyche that mm. really wants you engaged with a therapist. The tendency was, well, let the, ther- let the therapist figure out my problem. Advise me. <laughs> uh, mm. So Dr. Progoff said, you know, there's a better way to do this. So he started getting his patients to write things down. Uh, between appointments, and he discovered the ones who actually did the writing began to improve uh, uh, more quickly. Um, mm. So he was often running to develop this uh, this workshop process because uh, then he could work with groups of people instead of one at a time. Um, and that was that's always been appealing to me, and still is. So, what was his understanding of trauma? It, it was interesting. Um, because and and one of the things that was intriguing to me is that in his um, workshops and he did them for years uh, in large groups actually he never used the word trauma mm, it was always about it was always about transitions his, his his concept was that 
people come to these junctures in their life where uh, either through events or circumstances or situations, they are now called upon to divert their life and for some reason or another that that suddenly they they get jammed up uh, uh, psychologically, emotionally. Um, and so he thought of, of a trauma process without using the word of the events and situations people get into uh, that have the potential for diminishing their sense of self, that it, it has a, a, a quality of uh saying to them, you know, um, something's wrong, that something's wrong with you. And so the tendency would be, well, I need to find somebody to tell me what's wrong, you know. Uh, And so that's where uh, Progoff, with the help of Jung, stepped away from that diagnostic process. He said, uh, it's it's not so much what's wrong with you as it is um, embracing what it is that has happened. And, and you only know the, the source of that uh, and the difficulty in the, uh, especially with cognitive behavioral therapy, is it always has an interrogative quality. And as long as I'm being interrogated, it's very difficult for me to tell you the truth. You know, I'm always putting my best foot forward. So Rogoff's notion was, wait a minute, uh, what people need more than anything is some privacy and some safety to go inward and acknowledge their experience, not judge it, not analyze it, just um, in a sense, re-experience it without being re-traumatized, you know, that mm. I, must, I must own my own experience. And he used the metaphor, uh, he used several metaphors of water, trees but one of his metaphors was about your life is like a tree and all through it you accumulate these experiences which become as rings just like a tree they're not to be erased Uh, you can't erase them Um, they are simply to be uh, acknowledged integrated and owned as a part of your life Um, so that it's not a question of fixing your life it's a question of moving on with your life and not letting the transition experience as a trauma uh, take dominance uh, through shame or fear or guilt or, or a, a psychological label uh, exactly that uh, labeling uh, helps nothing really and that if you look closely at the diagnostic categories almost all of them are simply statements of symptoms so you get a label, and now you got to live with that label. Uh, so Dr. Progoff wanted to avoid that. Therapeutic modalities are, are often often have embedded in them a, a normative assumption. You know that we can we can get you back to a normal life uh, when in in our heart in our spirit we are always wondering what in the world will that be? <laughs> I don't want to be normal. Uh, I want to be happy. I want to be creative. That really speaks to a, a sense of uniqueness that we possess uh, and a wisdom, internal wisdom. Absolutely. Very, very much like the tree analogy you mentioned, that it, it, uh, it just grows. It does. And in fact, one of the writing exercises is what we call the inner wisdom dialogue. Uh, people are asked to identify in their life 
persons that they have known that were wisdom figures to them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether they are still alive or whether they even met them, I mean, you can name Jesus or Muhammad or the Buddha, write down the names of people who have represented wisdom to you. Mm -hmm. And then we select, we ask them to select one of those to do a dialogue with as a way of evoking your own wisdom. You know, you recognize it in somebody else. Certainly you've got it within yourself. There's a, there's a mm. kind of innate wisdom and it's unique to every human being. So uh, I, I got quite into journaling uh, when I was in my 20s. I was going through a kind of a rough time. And uh, in full disclosure, I, I've since burnt all those journals because, uh, you know, when, when I kind of referred back to them, at a later point, I just saw this kind of repeating. And I know many other kind of experts kind of caution against um, journaling on some level because it's, it's easy to get kind of into these grooves, these thought loops. And so how is intensive journaling uh, different? Great question. You're right. Uh, normal journaling, uh, and sometimes it's, we refer to it as diary writing too, uh, uh, does result in that thought loop, dead-ended uh, recycling of, uh, of old material, um, uh, recycling narratives uh, that are, are basically come to no end, really. The typical diary writing venture beneath, the, it never ventures beneath the surface of one's life. That is always about what's, what's happening to me at the surface of my life, interactively in the world. Uh, so the, the journal writing process intervenes in the sense of ask, inviting people to write about uh, the internal process. And I'll use the example. Uh, one of the writing exercises in the, um, in the very first workshop is called um, the daily log. It's the closest thing that, uh, to a diary in the, in the Progolf method, in which we ask people to take a very limited time, go back 36 hours, go back to yesterday morning, and we want you to record, and we all, all these writings are time limited, so we don't want people wandering all over the place. You're going to get 15 minutes to go back to yesterday morning uh, and write about your activities between yesterday morning and today, where you are today. But in addition to identifying your activities, whether it's socially or Maybe um, in the case of prisoners, you know, guys who have gone to AA, there may be activities during the course of the day. Write those down. But now we want you to also record uh, what was going on with you internally, A, emotionally. Keep track of the interactions you had and your emotional response to that uh, for this last 36 hours. As well as we want you to keep track then of um, whatever uh, physical responses you're having. You know, as you as you remember back through the day, did you notice a headache or an upset stomach or an anger that you didn't express? Or and then third, uh, make note of anything that in your life seems to be repeating itself, what we call sort of a spiritual stepping stone, you know, things that have keep, keep coming up, you know, about remembering that spouse I divorced or uh, remembering my, my dead grandmother, that there are pieces of your life that still live with you 
that we want you recording in it. So you get 15 minutes to do that. Well, that means you got to get them to business fairly quickly. Mm. Um, and the other aspect of that writing that's unique to the, to the journal writing with ProGolf is from time to time, usually four or five times during a, a, a day's workshop, we open the floor and say to a participant, you will now have an opportunity if you choose to read aloud what you just wrote. Um, and the idea being you're not sharing. What you're doing is taking that piece of your life you have now put on paper and put it into this sacred space. We always think of our workshop groups as, as a creation of a sacred space of people that simply you're reading it aloud because it always changes the tone and the quality of what you have experienced. First of all, just to write it down. Sometimes that can be quite moving. But then to read it aloud it changes it completely in a way. And then the, the other ground rule in the workshops is there's no commentary. There's no crosstalk. There's no discussion. It's just you, you're stating your piece of your life in the hearing of the others as you would do for them. Yeah, expressing your truth. Exactly. And it's interesting that it's not a great big philosophical thing sometimes. My truth sometimes is in the nitty-gritty of my days. There are certain pieces of my life that keep reappearing. And so that's the reason for the other segments of the journal. There's 24 segments in the journal. So we always ask people to read closely what you are, and, and, and read closely what you wrote because there's probably someplace else in the journal to take that and explore it further. So we're going to go inward uh, with your journal writing and a way of breaking out of that dead-end loop uh, that happens often with uh, diary keeping and journal writing. Let's get into the process a little bit more. Uh, yeah. So I believe it starts with really tracking what's happening in the body. It does. Um, there are five components that we invite people to write specifically about early on in the workshop. And a dialogue with the body is one of them. But let me, let me name the other four. Because the very first writing exercise, again, 15 minutes, we invite the participants to identify what we call the now time of your life. We want you to go back uh, as far as you need to go, six months, eight months, to identify what event, situation, or circumstance you would describe as coloring your life now. You know, it could be a trauma event, it could be a divorce or an illness or, or a pandemic. You know, what, what has started this period of your life? And so write for 15 minutes, usually a half a page or a page, hmm. what's dominant in your life right now, spiritually, emotionally, physically. And then after that 15 minutes of writing, we take five minutes for each of five pieces of writing, including the body. Hmm. We ask people to write down what's, what's going on with your body at this time of your life. Describe your relationship to your body. Are you on good terms? Uh, are you ill? Are you feeling some physical difficulties? And then the other three, one is describe the people who are important to you right now. 
just put their names down. That's all you got to do. Write down uh, the, th the fourth category, which is what events have taken place just recently that are impacting you. And, and last but not least, we ask them to write about what are your social alliances? Who do you, who do you hang out with now? Who do you identify with? Talk a little bit about your, your culture and ethnic uh, background. It really, it really sounds like uh, taking an inventory. It, it is exactly that, but privately and inwardly. You know, people mm. often in, in, in group therapy, they'll blather on about all of that, you know, and not really stop to think about what does this mean to me uh, inwardly? So, so the privacy of the writing and the safety of the writing become paramount. So, so a question that comes up for me is, does, does the process continue after the workshop? Uh, yes. Often as not, people will get a, a good uh, experience even in their first workshop. And sometimes that's enough. But more often than not, and I'm, I'm not an exception here, people say, wait a minute, I'm not done with this yet. There's more. There's more. And especially as, as the traumas keep arriving, I mean, uh, the, the death of President Kennedy, um, the pandemic, uh, lived through a polio epidemic when I was a kid. You know, we're always facing this. So the after is, first of all, to suggest there's no real end to the process. Uh, it can be very helpful. It can be very nourishing. And it can be encouraging even after the first 12 hours. But for those who are open to, uh, especially trying to be creative, you know, artists, uh, musicians are uh, often express their trauma through their art, sing, dance, carve, write books, um, so that the process is very open-ended. I've, I've got a closet full of journals. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sometimes I'm tempted to burn them simply because there's too much trouble to carry around. <laughs> but the I, my, my point about that is it's a never-ending process, and there's always a journal or workshop somewhere nearby. As we mentioned earlier on, uh, living in this sort of uh, time of collective trauma with really no end in sight, you know, hopefully with the vaccine this spring or summer that things will loosen up a bit, but uh, I think the we are kind of facing a essentially a mental health epidemic after everything is said and done. Uh, there's probably a lot of people that are listening right now who are uh, feeling in transition. So I'm wondering if there is a, a writing exercise that you can recommend right now for the listening audience to sort of orientate and, and uh, maybe find some clarity in terms of direction going forward. Yeah. Um, Great question, and, and thanks for it. There's, there's, there's two or three things I will recommend. They're quite easy, simple to do. I'm going to recommend um, that people go to the, in, the Intensive Journal Workshop, the, internet, uh, the international website. On that website, you will see all of the different audiences uh, uh, that for whom uh, the journal process is appropriate. And one of them is, uh, addictions. You, you will see, uh, uh, it might be under the medical category, but addiction. It invites you to get out a paper and you're going to need probably about four or five sheets of paper. Uh, and uh, it will actually 
tell you a little bit about the time for each one of the writings. There's about three or four different writings. Um, and, and the first is um, the one I described earlier. Um, write down the now time of your life, um, that you go back to the most recent episode that is coloring your life now, the example being the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, or there may have been something uh, even more recent than that, uh, that I, a, a job loss uh, or a serious illness that, that you're asked to write for about um, 15 minutes to just describe what, where is your life right now? Uh, and you get to use your own language and the instructions will be there. Then the second part of that writing uh, is, as I described earlier, identify those five categories of your life uh, that include Persons who are now closely related to you, just their names, uh, the works you are now doing, uh, you know, if you're volunteering or maybe you just lost your job. Um, secondly, events, et cetera, et cetera. All, all the instructions will be there, uh, including a, a, a writing about, make a metaphor out of that. It, one of the ways we enable people to move beyond the surface description of their life is to ask them to make a, a half-page metaphor of your life. You've now described it in those gritty details. Now describe it as a metaphor because it forces them to go inward again and begin thinking of imagery or music uh, or uh, emotions that they must now describe that. So, so the instructions are there. It, it will take about 35 minutes to do that, but it gives you the idea of how the writing uh, expands your sense of self. Thank you so much for this conversation. It's been great. And um, yeah, and so uh, is there a, a blog uh, address you want to send people to? Yeah, www dot lowercase my name bill israel dot org thank you very much okay stay well thank you you too thanks again so much to bill for this conversation if you want to learn more about bill's work or intensive journaling you can go to billisrael.org i'll be sure to put some links in the show notes and include the uh, writing exercise you mentioned at the end you can find that at awakenrelationship.com and while you're there please sign up for the newsletter and if you have a moment, I would really appreciate a review on Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps. So wherever you are in this uh, collective transition that we're in, I hope you're staying healthy and staying connected. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Awake in Relationship. If you liked what you heard, please click subscribe to get the latest show delivered fresh to your device or sign up for our newsletter at awakeinrelationship.com. Sharing is caring.